the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your, te- your favorite teams and leagues, The F- Athletic delivers everything you need on every sports story that matters. Download the app, personalize your feed, and get exclusive ad-free content today. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription now. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Wednesday afternoon. The weather's starting to turn. It is a massive, massive sports week in terms of basketball and football and baseball and hockey. And and the Masters, which is going to be part of our discussion with Scott Allen today. Masters picks. Who's going to make the cut? Who's going to miss the cut? All the betting odds. And uh, then we're going to switch gears quickly to Sam Darnold, of course, the big move from the Jets to the Panthers. The money, what does it mean? Uh, What does it mean for Darnold maybe going forward? Uh, That number two pick in terms of the Jets, what now, what could have been? Lots of (laughs) of different angles on that trade at the back end of this show. But first, a little free agent recap from me. Uh, I'm going to go quickly team by team and just kind of point out a name. That's it a name, a number, something that stands out real quickly, just kind of an, a free agent wrap-up storyline, team-by-team breakdown, and uh, just kind of give you my thoughts very, very quickly as it really starts to dwindle down now. And many of the breakdowns are on the site, so it can kind of speak to a lot of them with some detail. It's Dynasty Fantasy Football season, folks. The only place using real NFL contracts in Dynasty Football is Dynasty Owner. DynastyOwner.com gets you started. It is full roster management. Your bench counts. You're not just setting a starting lineup. Your bench matters. There are multiple ways to play this game. It is for power users. It is for major Dynasty fantasy football users. And it's excellent. Scott and I had a great chance to beta this last year. It is really, really interesting, really keeps you engaged. And it's very, very well done. Nice app, nice website. Uh, just a really well-done fa- Dynasty Fantasy Football system, only getting better every single week. I keep getting updates on my phone that they're changing this and updating this and upgrading this, and it's a, it's an evolving product that's only going to get better. And like I said, real average salaries, real GM decisions. It's not just your run-of-the-mill fantasy football system. This is a Dynasty Football on steroids for sure. DynastyOwner.com, get you started today. All right, let's run through... NFL free agency, team by team, very, very quickly. Okay. (laughs) The Arizona Cardinals. Boy, they started right out of the gate, didn't they? And it's hard to look anywhere else. Yes, they've made some interesting moves and some nice defensive additions. They lost quite a few defensive pieces too here, by the way. Uh, You know, Patrick Peterson being one of them out loud. But it's JJ. You know, JJ Watt. This was kind of the the warning shot for the rest of the free agency that this thing is here now. It's time for uh, teams to start doing business. This was a surprise. It was not the contender we thought Watt would end up at. It's a bigger than bigger than normal contract. Now that we look at the rest of the, the deals in the league, it was kind of the start of the void year run that we went on. J.J. Watt's contract includes three void years. In the back end of, end of his two-year, basically fully guaranteed contract. It's... Uh, it, it was kind of the sign that started it all. And it'll be the the name to watch in Arizona, certainly going forward this year on that side of the ball. So J.J. Watt, two years, $31 million, to the Arizona Cardinals early. By the way, let's keep an eye on Larry Fitzgerald still. He still hasn't made his decision. Is he going to join A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, Andy Isabella? Just a great group of receivers. And uh, really try to push them over the top this year. So that's Arizona. Atlanta, maybe the move they didn't make. How about that? Matt Ryan is going to be the quarterback, I believe, for the Falcons in 2021. His contract absolutely says so. They did another base salary restructure on that contract, the fourth, um, $21 million this time. The dead cap is $65 million. He's going nowhere financially. And I also think he's going nowhere because the owner wants him to be the quarterback. And we're starting to hear more and more of that right now. So, Yes, they've added some minor pieces. They just didn't have the cap space to do much of anything. They were they were quite a bit over coming into this thing. So they really had to cut bait, get some guys to take pay cuts, outright cap casualties. You know, there was a lot of early movement just to get themselves set up okay. 
And at the end of the day, it's going to be Matt Ryan handing off to Mike Davis, throwing passes to Hayden Hurst and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and that's, and Russell Gage. And that's it. All right. It's going to be a lot of the same as old, but it might be good enough. They're the FanDuel has them fourth in that division right now. So clearly the defensive losses they had and their inability to really get better through free agency has them on the outside looking in, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, but, but it's about Matt Ryan in 2021. Baltimore. Sammy Watkins was an okay signing. One for five, fully guaranteed. No big deal. They needed to upgrade the wide receiver position. That's really all they did. So fine. Nice addition. Nice third, maybe second option at times. But I think Kevin Zeitler is the big move there. Okay, They pull him. He's a cap casualty out of New York. They pull him in on three years, 22 and a half mil. You know, only two of those basically guaranteed. That, that's the kind of work you got to do right there. That's the kind of work you got to do. You got your, t- your, your tackles, we think, figured out. Certainly Stanley on the left. Who knows if Orlando Brown's going to return to play the right tackle for him. But you put Zeitler on the left side now, and you have a good foundation for Lamar Jackson going forward here. And that's the right move. So good, boring signing from Baltimore. We'll see what happens with them through the draft. Probably more weapons to come, if I had to guess. Boy, the Bills did a lot of signing back. There's no question about that. But the new piece they added, I'm going to put three names out there. You can rank them how you want. Emmanuel Sanders, Matt Breida, Mitch Trubisky. All interesting for their own rights. Matt Breida could be the, the RB1 by the time this is all said and done on basically a minimum contract. You know, Zach Moss showed flashes, got injured. Devin Singletary is a trade candidate for me this summer, maybe in the draft. That's um, going to be a bit of a revolving door there. But they brought, up, brought back basically everybody, you know, basically everybody from that 2020 roster. They like who they are. They think they're maybe a piece or two or a, an improvement or two away from getting this thing to the finish line. So not too much tinkering there in Buffalo, and rightfully so. We're going to have a lot of talk about Carolina later in the show. And that's the addition, right? It's Sam Darnold. So I'm going to save the numbers and the facts and figures for the back of the show with Scott. But certainly that is the move that is going to leave people uh, talking here over the next few weeks. Speaking of quarterbacks, the QB1, as stated by the Chicago Bears, Andy Dalton, $10 million fully guaranteed, one year. I don't know what to say about that. I don't love their weapons. They got the running game going a little bit. Maybe that's the plan is running back tight end a little bit more in 2021. Hopefully, Allen Robinson plays ball. He did sign that tag. He's a big part of them if he's healthy. They've got guys, all right? On paper, they've got guys who can play some football. And maybe they they look at Andy Dalton as, hey, this guy's been playing with guys his whole career in Cincinnati. And he's been great in the regular season. And they just didn't have the right pieces in December to make the playoff run. Well, they might like their defense. You know, they may, they may look at Montgomery and that defense, that Cleo Mack run defense as enough to, to make the playoff run with an adequate quarterback, which they don't believe Mitch Trubisky was. Andy Dalton is an adequate quarterback, and at times he's an above-average quarterback. He wasn't last year, but he was in a, an awful situation, plus an injury, plus COVID. So I'm not going to grade him last year. I don't love this move. I don't think I'll ever love this move, but I understand it based on how I just laid it out. If that's what they think they are and they don't want to rip it down because they're paying, they they gave up the farm to get Khalil Mack and they're still paying him because of restructures and they just paid more defensive players and they just tagged, you know, $18 million to, to Allen Robinson because of all of that, they really can't tank. They can't rip it all down or sell off their parts. So might as well throw a stopgap an adequate, maybe at times above average stopgap and see where it gets you. That's the Bears to me. So Andy Dalton is your name. It's not going to break the bank too much on $10 million, though I do believe that's an overpay. I don't know who they were bidding against for Andy Dalton services that had to go $10 million, but I understand the process, I think. Cincinnati, they've made some sneaky okay moves. I don't understand them losing William Jackson and adding Mike Hilton. That's kind of a tit for tat. but. Trey Hendrickson should make some some hay. I mean, this is a guy that the Saints just flat out couldn't afford. 
there had to be a half dozen teams in on him as maybe the sixth or seventh best pass rusher on the market. And four for 60, three of that basically guaranteed, you know, practically. That's a, that, that could be a very sneaky good get for Cincinnati in a division where, you know, you got to stop Baker Mayfield, you got to stop Lamar Jackson. And Big Ben isn't going to be moving around too much, so hopefully you can get to him as well this year. I, I like it. I think it was the right move early to go out and make a splash in that regard. So Trey Henderson is your Bengals standout name for now. We'll see what else happens. Boy, the Browns did really, really well. They didn't do a lot. They didn't do a lot. Okay, they were in on a lot of guys. They still to be, appear to be in on Jadavian Clowney. They're just letting that drop a little bit. Um, John Johnson and Troy Hill, both from the Rams. The Rams just flat out couldn't afford them. But these guys didn't break the bank. They didn't break the bank. I mean, they, they got basically two-year void deals to completely upgrade their secondary. I mean, you had these two to Denzel Ward, and that is a phenomenal secondary with a really good pass rush with what we think is an offense that's really starting to turn it around. The weapons are there. It's just got to happen for Baker on a consistent basis. You know, they went kind of offensive line heavy last offseason in terms of building that up successfully. And now they're going secondary heavy this year. And those are important positions to continually try to make better, improve, or pay if you've got the right players. There's been a really good mix of that since Andrew Berry took over as GM. And I think he is on the right track. This is a team I am highly watching in terms of betting odds this year, because I just think the analytical approach to the signings they've made have been intelligent. I'm excited to see what happens in the draft with this team because they have a chance to maybe fill in a couple more holes and then it is go time for Cleveland. I, I really believe they are right there waiting, waiting to do it. Dallas is about Dak and I don't care what else they do this off season, you know, outside of trading Zeke Elliott, which wouldn't they love to do that right now? But the Dak contract was basically out of their hands. It was, it had to get done. It had to be at the number. It was, it had to be three years fully guaranteed with the fourth, all but practical it was the right decision. And D- Dak gets to get paid a ton of money over the next three years and then redo it all over again when the cap booms and the cash is there and the TV money comes in. And, and it should be really, really good stuff for Dak Prescott, barring he can continue to be a top five quarterback. So he's the name for sure in Dallas right now. Denver, bringing back Von Miller was interesting. Um, I just didn't think it was going to happen. I really didn't. These guys, they spent like $63 million on their secondary. Speaking of teams that needed to upgrade the pass defense. Um, they kept Justin Simmons and finally paid the guy market value. He's one of the top paid safeties in all of football now in terms of guarantees and average salary. They bring in Kyle Fuller. They bring in Ronald Darby. It's, uh, it is about stopping the pass. And guess what? When you've got Patrick Mahomes in your division and Justin Herbert too, not a bad idea. Russell Wilson, my God, I just left Russell Wilson off. You got to stop the pass. You know, nobody's going to run the ball down your throat in that division. It's about the passing game. Denver saw this coming from a mile away. They allocated their resources properly. That is the right move for Denver. So kudos to them. Two thumbs up for those signings. Detroit. I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it's obviously Jared Goff with, with that acquisition. It's a heightened version of Sam Darnold's trade is all it is. Although, you know, they got to send Matt Stafford and Carolina didn't get to send Teddy Bridgewater in their deal. So I, we'll see. Change of pace, change of scenery for Jared Goff. We'll see what happens. They do get two first rounders, you know, so they did acquire some draft picks to be able to see and give Jared Goff a, uh, a showcase for a year or two. I don't know if it's going to make it much better. That's my only point. But maybe it's good business. Maybe we'll look at it that way and nothing else. Green Bay, look, I've been getting killed because I'm I'm looking at this through one lens. And it's impossible for me not to at this point. I, I understand that Aaron Jones is a hell of a player. I love watching the guy. I love drafting the guy in fantasy. I'm probably not doing that this year, just so you know. Okay. A, the injuries are starting to catch up a little bit. B, the age is starting to catch up a little bit. And C, he got paid. And I don't care if it's for a good price. It's not, it's not 18 million a year, right? I mean, it's, it's the going rate for Delvin Cook and Derrick Henry now. It's the going rate for these guys. You had a second round running back ready to take over. 
he's still going to get the lion's share of the carries. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are still going to get a ton of carries. They're going to split. Every team in football has to do this. I understand that. Okay. I am not under the assumption that if you've got a great running back, he should be the guy for you. I am 100% on board with RBBCs. And there is a difference between knowing that and building one. And the way that the, the Packers have chosen to build their RBBC to me is reckless. And I will, I will say that even if Aaron Jones goes and wins the freaking MVP this year, okay? <laughs> because they invested a second round, a high second round pick, and now $48 million, 24 fully guaranteed, two years, 24, on two running backs. You just don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You could have tagged Jones and kept him on that tag. That would have been option number one. You could have transition tagged Aaron Jones like the Arizona Cardinals transition tagged Kenyon Drake last year. Now, if somebody is going to make you an offer, I don't know. Was there? Was there going to be a bidding war for a running back this, this mark? I don't know. Kenyon Drake got the most guaranteed money of all the running backs on free agency. Is, is Aaron Jones better than Kenyon Drake? Yes. Is he a lot better? No, <laughs> he's not. Okay. So I, I, I just think this was... It was rushed. It was a rushed move. They did the right thing by letting him play out his contract. They didn't extend him early. That was the right move. They almost did the right thing by letting him get a free agency. But then hours and days beforehand, the deal got struck. I just, if A.J. Dillon is going to be above average, which is, he better be where you drafted him, then it was time to give him the keys. And then it was time to go and get a Mike Davis or even a Chris Carson or somebody in the in the seven million dollar range max, but I'm talking like two to four million dollar range. Those are the kind of players you add behind your young rookie contract. Okay, you don't go veteran contract and high draft contract. I don't agree with that. There are better. There are a lot of ways to put your RBPCs together right now, and this is a surplus way to do it. That's all I'm saying because you got to pay Devontae Adams. You're going to have to redo Aaron Rodgers if you're going to keep him for the next three years, which who knows. But they didn't do anything. They never do anything free agency. That's not who the Packers are. But they completely stalled their offseason, in my opinion, with the Aaron Jones contract. Didn't need to happen. I love the player. It didn't need to happen. They should have given the keys to A.J. Dillon, brought in somebody else behind him on a much more reasonable price tag, and let that be what it is. Because guess what? Aaron Rodgers is still going to throw the ball 40 freaking times a game. That is going to be your offense. That's the way they want to operate. So yes, these running backs are good, but they are not essential to the way that you run your offense. They're just not. It's not like Aaron Jones was catching 60 passes. He's not this versatile Le'Veon Bell type player that you know you absolutely need to upgrade your offense. He's a great player. You don't need that contract and the second round pick contract. It's just not the way to do it right now. So I'm against it. All right, Houston. Plenty of things to talk about in Houston. Here's what I'm going to say. I can't give you a name. I can give you 40, okay? The Houston Texans signed about 38 players, either via acquiring, via trade, or free agency this offseason. It is about quantity, not quality. None of these guys are going to blow anything out of the water. I like the Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram additions. Fine. I mean, that's the way to do it right there. They, get, they got David Johnson to take, take a pay cut to stick around. He may not even make the, make the team. He may be just there to compete. Who knows? But they are operating as if nobody on that team is safe. You know, maybe Brandon Cooks gets traded. Maybe. Who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months with this organization in terms of quarterback all the way down, of course. But they, they were about, let's get everybody we can get in the room and try to figure this out in OTAs in mini camps and in training camp and see what we have at the end of the day. It's not a terrible approach. None of these signings, you know, blew you out of the water. The guaranteed money is barely there, but it is quantity, not quality as of right now. And they're going to try to figure this out over the next 18 months and see what they have. It's not a bad way to operate. Indy, Carson Wentz. Of course it's Carson Wentz. They brought back T.Y. Hilton. I liked that a lot. There are some other defensive moves they made. From here out, though, it's about keeping your own. They're going to have to sign Darius Leonard. They're, they're probably going to give Quentin Nelson quite quite a contract in terms of offensive linemen. So 
there's going to be some major money extensions coming out of Indy in the next couple of weeks, in my opinion. But it's Carson Wentz's team now. We'll see what happens with that. It's a bit of a low risk for them, especially knowing what they gave up, which is basically a first and a third. It's okay. It's all right. You know, this is a guy that has some talent. They are in a position where they are ready to compete outside of this position. So this is what they identified would be a fit with their offense based on their, their coaching staff and, and system. It's fine with me. I'm not going to gawk at that just yet. Jacksonville. A lot of pieces. I like Marvin Jones. A um, couple of losses I didn't love, but they kind of were sneaky okay. I mean, there's three wide receivers in that team that can really catch the ball. They could use an upgraded tight end. They could use another running back to go with James Robinson, who clearly can play. This is about Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. Who knows what's going to happen? But those are the names. That's it. Enough said, all right? Kansas City, Joe Tooney is just a huge addition. And Kyle Long, by the way. Let's just call it a guard. The guards are what we're looking at in Kansas City. Not sure they've really addressed their tackle situation as of yet, but they, uh, the interior line, which is very, very important to Patrick Mahomes, is upgraded. Kyle Long, Joe Tooney, not crazy expensive, but one of the bigger contracts we saw this offseason. And it's uh, of utmost importance if you've got who you've got behind, the, behind center right now. The Raiders. They clearly did not like their offensive line play. Okay, Rodney Hudson's Arizona, Gabe Jackson's in Seattle, Trent, Trent Brown's in New England. Uh, they just gave Colton Miller a crazy nice extension. Really young stud offensive lineman who they're going to move to left tackle. So that's your answer. They think that their kids can play. And they've added a couple of smaller wide receiver pieces for Derek Carr. They added Yannick Ngakwe. That's a name to keep an eye out on. We'll see. Um, <laughs> let's hope the draft goes well because they certainly lost more than they gained, in my opinion. And maybe that was it. Maybe they just had too many mouths to feed and they want to solidify their roster a little bit more and their starting lineup a little bit more, a little bit more consistency. And John Gruden can go from there. We'll see what happens. It's uh, trending downward for me in Las Vegas right now. Not the case in Los Angeles, but the Chargers. They, obviously, they hit lightning with Herbert, at least first initial first. They added Corey Lindsley as a, his new center for the next two to three seasons, practically to replace Mike Pouncey. And that's all you really need from me. They have Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. Jared Cook's a nice little upgrade at the tight end position. I guess not really an upgrade, but he replaces Hunter Henry, who was oft injured. Um, but they need a left tackle. And that's what this draft is about, or maybe an acquisition. You could see them reaching out to the Ravens, maybe for Orlando Brown, who says he wants to be a left tackle. To me, that's the biggest need that they, that's the name that we need to hear most is who's going to play left tackle for the Chargers over the next couple of weeks here. The Rams, it's Matt Stafford. That's it. Lost some defensive pieces, brought back Leonard Floyd, all good stuff there. Restructured the hell out of their offense. And uh, it's Matt Stafford's team. Is that going to be enough to get them back into Super Bowl contention where Jared Goff faltered? That's it. Dolphins. You know, they didn't trade Tua. They didn't acquire Deshaun Watson. They didn't acquire Russell Wilson. They didn't acquire the number two pick. They traded out of number three, back up to number six. That's the, that's the name I'm looking at. Who is that number six pick if they stay? It's probably going to be some sort of pass catcher, whether it's Pitts, the tight end, or Jamar Chase, or one of the wide receivers that are kind of uh, rumored to be right there. And that is the right move. Will Fuller was a very good one-year $10 million bargain, in my opinion. He's going to miss game one. He should make an impact. He should be an impact player. Will Fuller plus the number six should be enough to give the keys to Tua and say, okay, now you show us what you can do. And I really believe that it's a step forward for Miami, who does have a very, very good defense right now. Minnesota. Patrick Peterson's a sneaky, quiet signing. Not enough people talked about it. Um, I thought for sure at that price, $10 million, he'd be back in Arizona. But he wanted out. He wanted a, a change of pace. He's going to a defensive heavy team in Minnesota who should treat him pretty well for the one year. And uh, it's, it's just, does that offense have enough? You know, without Stefan Diggs, are the kids going to take a step forward? Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, no more Kyle Rudolph. So it's about the kids there as well. There's a lot of kind of turnover on the offensive side of the ball that has been now waiting for some maturation. 
And with Cousins, adequate, let's call him adequate, and a couple of those rookies taking a, f- a step forward in 2021, maybe they have what they need. Maybe they have what they need. New England, holy cow, right? <laughs> Under 20 million guaranteed, over 200 million total value contracts this offseason, bunch of decent acquisitions via trade. Just a, a really nice crop of players. Matt Judon, John Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Ken, Kendrick Bourne, Kyle Van Noy is back. Jalen Mills is their new cornerback. Just a solid chunk of players coming from other organizations to kind of saddle up with if there's a, with the New England Patriots. Um, but do they have a quarterback? Is Cam going to play 17 weeks? Is Stidham completely out of the conversation? Are they going to move up and draft somebody? Are they going to take somebody at 15? Is Jimmy Garoppolo in the conversation still? Who knows? It is the unknown of the quarterback that I'm looking for in New England going forward now. New Orleans, kind of the same conversation, but I'm not going to be that that chalky here because I believe that Jameis and or Taysom, now that they're both resigned, can handle that duty for 2021. I'm not super worried about it. They're not going to be Pro Bowl caliber, in my opinion, but they know the system enough to be able to be above average in it. So I think they're done there, and that's going to be how it's going to work. Here's here's they had to they had to shed themselves ninety seven million dollars of cap space this year just to get themselves neutral. Okay, and I I understand that they're getting a lot of credit for the restructures and the creativity and the retirement process with Drew and you know the bloody bloody bloody. They lost a bunch of players. Okay, and you can tell me that cap is a myth. You can tell me that restructures make everything better. And who cares about pushing it down because there's going to be more cap space to deal with next year? That's fine. But they lost actual talented starters off this roster because of the cap. And I don't think right now this team is as good or good enough to be a playoff team in 2021. I think it was that detrimental. I think what they had to give up from a cap and a cap cap casualty standpoint is going to be too much to just get back out there and get back to contention. I really do. Tampa Bay is going to be good. I don't know about Carolina. I don't know about Atlanta. So divisionally, they might be fine, middle, slightly above average. But in the rest of this NFC, I don't believe they're going to be fine. I think there's going to be teams that got better than them this offseason because they absolutely weren't able to because of the cap. So yes, in most cases, the cap is 100% fluid and easily moved around. But there's a breaking point, and I think New Orleans just found it. And they gave up too much, and they're going to be hurt when it comes to the standings in 2021. The Giants made some big moves. What COVID, right? <laughs> what, what revenue issues? Leonard Williams is back on $63 million. Kenny Galladay is back on the biggest wide receiver contract of the offseason by far. Dory Jackson comes from Tennessee on a nice, basically two-year contract, three for 39 in total value. It's go time. You know, this is year three for Daniel Jones. Generally, that's when teams really try to push the envelope a little bit, solidify defense. They have a running game as long as Barkley's healthy. They did add him a weapon in Kenny Galladay. Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph, who knows? I don't know. Um, Two tight end set should help Daniel Jones. So if that's part of the process, then I like it. But it's a go year for the Giants who believe that Dallas might take a step back. Philly is absolutely taking a step back and Washington is now in Ryan Fitzpatrick world. So they have a chance and it's yes, the contracts look a little ridiculous in comparison to the rest of the off season for the other teams, but this is why they, they're not really in screw around mode. They're not in a waiting pattern, right? For, for the rest of the league revenue and the cap to catch up. They know right now that if they strike with the right players, they can win their division. And that's enough for the giants. I think in 2021, the Jets, it's obviously about Sam Darnold. Yes, they brought in some talent around him. We're going to talk about that with Scott in a second. But getting rid of Darnold means new quarterback coming in at number two overall, probably Zach Wilson. That's the name to watch. Who knows if there's enough around it to make it successful. Philly. How about $3 million for Joe Flacco? Boy, oh boy. I, I just don't get that. Unless they just don't like Jalen Hurts. Why? I just don't see a need for that. I don't, um, you know, the, the, the rumors I'm hearing out of Philly aren't Jalen hurts is going to be our guy. He's going to be great. It's we're going to get Russell Wilson in 2022. So that's all I have to say about 
the Philadelphia's 2021 outlook is that people are already looking past it and getting ready for what could be in 2022. There's not a like to like the dead cap is just insurmountable right now. So it is a kind of a pass year. They're certainly going to win some games they don't belong in, but it's uh, not a good year to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan in terms of what your expectations should be. But going from there, I think uh, 2022 could be better, but that's where they're looking. Pittsburgh, the name I'm looking at is this. I want to give TJ Watt a bunch of money because I love the guy. Juju Smith-Schuster accepted one for $8 million. Fine. But he, he did it back with Pittsburgh. To me, that says something, you know. Uh, he's going to get $8 million somewhere else. I think Baltimore offered him two for 24 ish I believe. So he had some multi-year money out there. But coming back here to be with Ben, most likely for the last time, there's something to that. Uh, they don't have a left tackle. They don't have, really have a great center right now. They brought in a couple of old old names to kind of rekindle some some uh, opportunities with Ben. They lost Bud Dupree. They lost Steven Nelson. There's a lot of exits, but not as many as I thought there were going to be, is my point. So where I thought it was going to be who's playing quarterback and the rest of the team is going to run away from the Steelers, it went about 50-50, which means there's there might be enough of a team here to compete in the division. Maybe, maybe it's better than expected is my point with Pittsburgh better than expected. And Juju coming back on, on the $8 million contract is kind of evidence of that. San Francisco, does Jimmy stay? Does Jimmy go? Does Jimmy restructure for a backup role? What happens with Jimmy? You know, you can tell me Mac Jones is coming in at number three. That's fine. I'm not going to say a thing about him until I see him because I trust Kyle Shanahan and that they'll get that done. Um, Are they going to play him out of the gate or is Jimmy going to get the keys in 2021? That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me, especially if you if you want to try and trade Jimmy on his last contract, you know, in 2022. So what is going to happen with that? You know, they signed the left tackle. They signed a new center. They did some good work there. Maybe their secondary could, could use a little bump. So draft-wise, I expect them to be living there. But what's the deal with Jimmy? That's really that, what matters. I'm not going to say this about Russell Wilson in Seattle. Okay? Russell is here, at least for the year. And then it's going to be either get me out of here or get me a new contract. That's what comes after 2021. But for now, Russell is here. Chris Carson is back. Carl Stolnup is back. Tyler Lockett is a $17 million wide receiver. Here's the name to watch, though. Um, the name to watch is DK Metcalf, who will be extension eligible after this year and has done more than enough to warrant that extension after 2021. So you did just pay your running back and your WR2 in Lockett. Pretty good coin. Lockett especially. Are you going to go $22 million on Metcalf and $17 million on Lockett over, over two seasons? Super interesting, especially with the, with the, I guess, the unknown with Russell, at least after 2021, like I just said. That one's fascinating to me because have you just motivated Metcalf even more so with that Lockett contract? Uh, I, I like that a lot. I like, I like that that's the reaction the Seahawks had to all the Russell mess that the media, myself included, has been dealing with. The Seahawks haven't said a damn thing about Russell. Nothing. Because to me, or to them, it's probably been just hot stove. Let's just let everybody, you know, bitch and moan. We're going to go to business and do our thing. And by the way, we're going we're gonna to throw Lockett some, some dough, $37 million guaranteed. And that's not only going to, going to make Russell Wilson happy, but it's also going to fire up our, our actual WR1 right now and put him on a 20 million plus track for 2022. They'll be happy to pay it if it works out. I mean, you just do, you do it these days. The passing game is so important that if you've got that, you don't let it walk. So what does Lockett's contract and the looming extension eligibility for DK Metcalf do for him in 2021? Something to keep an eye on, especially for a dynasty fantasy guy. All right, moving along here. Tampa Bay. My goodness, Tampa Bay. The first Super Bowl winners to ever bring back all 22 starters. It's incredible. And yes, there was kind of a perfect storm of the cap dropping, which allowed them to get some some discounts, which allowed them to use void years and uh, really stretch the 2021 cap space situation nicely. 
but everybody's back in the pool. And the only one kind of hanging out there now is Antonio Brown and they'll get it done. They'll get it done. They'll use void years. It'll be something into the effects of Rob Gronkowski's deal. Look, Antonio Brown's not a $15 million wide receiver anymore. And he's certainly not on this team with Godwin now tagged and Mike Evans under contract. You know, Chris Godwin is going to get the 18 to $20 million extension at some point. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's after this tag, but that's just not Antonio Brown's role on this team. You know, he is a five to eight to $10 million wide receiver at best. I'd give him Gronk's 8 million fully guaranteed and stretch it out over five years with void years and just let both of those two players kind of live as they will on this roster in 2021 and then do it again next year if they want. That's that's the absolute max for me if Antonio Brown, because you're paying a third wide receiver money. Eight million is high for a third wide receiver. You know, you got your Richard Higgins out there making three million. So that's probably where Tampa Bay's offers are in the two and a half to three to four million dollar mark. You know, and I'm guessing Antonio is well over 10. So you have a model with Gronk. I think it's the right play. That's the contract I'd be offering just to get it done, get Antonio back in the fold. And by the way, that will make Tom Brady very happy as well. Tennessee had a weird offseason. They got Johnny Smith back. Excuse me. They lost Johnny Smith. They lost Corey Davis. Two big offensive weapons, especially the last year exclusively. Um, they didn't really replace it, to be perfectly honest. So for me, Tennessee's draft is what I'm watching in 2021. Because the offseason, the free agent market was about kind of losing and they, they're certainly going to pick up some comp- compensatory draft picks for it. Um, the Isaiah Wilson situation was already weird. It's just been a weird couple of months for Tennessee. Um, so what happens in this draft? How does Tennessee either remain in contention or maybe improve themselves a little bit through the draft over the next couple of weeks? Can they? Or is this one of those teams that's going to fall down and you know fall off of contention ladder back down into the below average teams. It's very, very possible. That's where Tennessee is. And finally, Washington. It's Fitz magic time. And with him comes Curtis Samuel, one of the better signings of the whole offseason. I just, I love the contract. I love the player. It's about market value for what I thought Samuel was going to get this offseason. And you pair him with his old college teammate, Terry McLaurin, put it, put a little Fitz magic dust on top of the whole situation. They've got a couple of running backs who I think can work out and there's still a draft to come. And oh, by the way, one of the best defensive lines in all football, they did make a couple of cornerback signings that needed to happen. I I like this team a lot. I like this team a lot. And I I wouldn't be afraid to bet this team divisionally. I really wouldn't. I I bet you they're fourth if I go to look right now. All right, so they're second. They're second ahead of the Giants, which is incorrect for me. (laughs) But it's Dallas, Washington. New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. I bet at some point this offseason, the Giants slide higher and Washington falls back. And if, if they do, get your value on them because Washington does have enough as a total package if Fitzpatrick or another quarterback, by the way, there's still time for this, another quarterback can come in and raise the, the level of play just a little bit over a 17-week season. But they did a... Some nice tinkering this offseason in Washington, and uh, they're, they're taking the right steps forward for sure. All right, that's enough for me. Let's bring in Scott Allen, talk some golf, and uh, wrap up this Sam Darnold trade as well. All right, Scott, welcome back to the show. Happy busy sports week. Have you found this to be one of the better weeks of the year in the past? I mean, we are, you know, college basketball Monday night. It's the beginning of Major League Baseball, pretty much, you know, a game a day here. The Masters is here. The NFL draft is upon us, essentially. You know, the free agency kind of dwindling away here. And NBA and NHL heading towards the postseason. It's a pretty good time to be a sports fan. No, you know it. And on top of it, you have uh, Formula One kicking in. You got mm-hmm. NASCAR kicking in. You have uh, We're on the brink of MLS uh, regular season starting. And NWSL so, is going to do their cup yep. soon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, not too bad. Not too shabby for sports guys and gales. Um, but it is Masters Week. I want to start there, and then we're going to finish the show here with some Sam Darnold talk, because what else is there to talk about? I mean, a number three overall pick just got traded. We better get to it. Who's your Masters picks? Let's not even beat around the bush. Uh, you know, 
I think Bryson is going to have a chance to, you know, learn from his mistakes here and have a chance to win it. I know he's the uh, he's the favorite right now with DJ. Um, I, I do like Cantlay too. So I think my my sleeper there at uh, plus twenty two hundred on FanDuel Sportsbook here, Cantlay. But I, I'm going to go with the favorite, DeChambeau. Really? Yeah. I'm a little confused as to why he's the favorite. Is that fair? I am. I, I am too. I was kind of shocked to see that he was the favorite, but like I said, I, th- I think he h- has learned from his past mistakes and, you know, he's going to be a little bit smarter with his play. And I just think it, it's his time to, you know, come out and, and, and do what he's going to do. I, I just don't think this course fits him in any regard. You know what I, I mean? Like there, I, are, there are, I do, there, there are different courses for long hitters who struggle with the rest of their game. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the second shot or putting game conversation at all right now. It just isn't where he lives. And, you know, maybe I'm stereotyping him a little bit as, as just being a long hitter. He, he certainly has, has the complete game at times. I just don't think right now he's the betting package entering into Augusta and, and, DJ, of course, he's the defending champion coming off in November here. And Justin Thompson right there as well. That makes sense after the players win and just how stable and steady he's been all year. I, I get that. It just feels like maybe the Bryson's there because the money's on him. Is, is that incorrect, you think? I, I just think he's he's winning the no, popularity I, contest. <laughs> I, and I agree with that. I, I listened to something uh, the other day. They were talking about how he was a kid learning and he was at a um, learning how to read greens and he went back and back oh, he's and very back. analytical. Yes. And, and yes, he is. And I, I just think at some point he's going to be able to click all of these things together and with the driving. And I, I just think with the hype that's there, yes, I get it. I'm still going to pick him because I think everything is going to start clicking, but I agree with what you're saying. He is probably the money favorite because he is in the limelight right now. Seems like it sure does seem like it. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit off the board, not too much down more than, than maybe you were talking. It's I, I think Cantlay is going to be a big pick. I really do. I think, uh, who's the kid that finished second in November? Um, it's a Cam Cam Smith. I think Cam Smith at thirty-seven to one. He's going to be a big pick because he's had success here, and that matters. I mean, it, this is a mental course as you're as you're you know preaching with Bryson's analytical view. That, that's part of it for sure. But you also have to be able to hit approach shots and putt the ball. So I, this is a completely off the board pick. It's twenty-nine to one, so it's not a, you know an unbelievable number. I'm taking Colin Morikawa. Okay. To, to me, this kid, and he's a kid. <laughs> He just seems to be the IDFG, right? I don't give a who's got an, a total game, and we just don't know enough yet. He's won a major, and he has beaten some really good fields at bigger tournaments before. It just seems like he's a dark horse waiting to pounce on some overhype, which could be Bryson and DJ right now, to be honest, who's not playing outstanding ball. Jordan being 12 to one is unbelievable. I mean, that is, that is recency bias at its best. Yes. He's had, you know, top tens this year and things like that. He's, he's certainly been better. He has turned his, his game around a little bit, but he shouldn't be the fifth betting favorite for the masters, you know, former winner. Fine. Not the same guy. The fact that Rory's here is almost as bad as Bryson being the favorite to me. Rory hasn't, he's been completely elusive gone off the page for the entire 2021 season. And who knows when he's going to find it back, but generally you don't find your game at Augusta. Uh, You've got to come in here, you know, playing well. I like the kid. I like Morikawa. Uh, Not hearing enough about his name. So that makes me like him even more. You know, you're going to hear a lot about Patrick Weed because he's won here. Cam Smith, because he was runner up last year. Um, You know, there's some dark horses down the list a little bit. Lee Westman's playing real good golf right now. He's 40 to one. If you can, if you can find some time for that, but I'll stick with the, uh, I think he's about the 13th pick Colin Morikawa, 29 to one. Brooks Kepka, 
plus 2,800 is interesting too, because he likes to show up for these premier masters, right. you know, major physical uh, ailments. Major, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but if his body's right, hell yes, Scott, there's a yeah. reason he's not 20th on this list. He's 12th, you know? Right. Um, exactly. There's a reason. And it's because when he's going right, he's ninth, by the way, excuse me. Um, yeah, he, he can play. He's got, he's got the entire game and he's going to win one of these at some point. It's just a matter of, is he ready this year to do that? I, he's, I, which one of these guys we're talking about here doesn't even make the cut? It happens every year. It does. Who, who, which right. one of these guys completely falls off the off the page? It can't be Rory, right? Rory's not going to miss the cut. You know, I, I was going to say Jordan or Rory. You were. Just because okay. I was. Yeah, just because, you know, Rory was put as, you know, years ago that he's going to be the next Tiger, and it just it hasn't panned out. And he has some great game, uh, great weekends, and then he has some – horrible weekends and uh, I'm going to go with either Rory or Jordan just doesn't make the cut for some reason to miss the cut. FanDuel Sportsbook has these odds, by the way, which is pretty, pretty interesting to miss the cut. One second. Okay. Plus 200. Matt Kutcher. Cooch. Mm. The old savvy vet. Yeah. Missing the cut at two to one. What do you got, Scott? You're taking Jordan Spieth? <laughs> um, trying to find him on the list here. It's plus 480. He's the fifth yeah, least likely down. player to miss the cut. Mm. So you'll be getting almost five to one odds if you really believe that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'd say Rory before Jordan. Okay. Boy, if Rory misses the cut, that's a major meltdown for this. Whole, and, and it's bad for golf. It's bad for golf. It is. We need him it playing is. good golf. So hopefully that's not the case, but it does happen every year. You know, I, I wouldn't imagine Phil is a favorite to make the cut here. He's been playing just old man yeah, golf. Yeah, in fact, yes. he's minus 200 to miss the cut. Excuse me, plus 136. So just slightly over. That was to make the cut, minus 200. So... He's about he's about a fifty five percent chance to make to make the cut right now, according to FanDuel. Not good odds, but hopefully he can uh, make the Saturday and Sunday too, because we want these guys all here. But uh, we'll see where it goes from there. All right, so you've got. I already forgot. Oh, you're taking the favorite, Bryson DeChambeau, chalk. I'm taking Colin Morikawa at pretty good odds. I like it, twenty nine to one. We'll see how it goes. Starts tomorrow. Should be good yes, weather. Shouldn't be any issues. It's going to be a very fast course. We'll see who can uh, make those approach shots and, and knock in a few putts. Let's talk Sam Darnold, sir. Initial thoughts on Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. Well, Carolina had to do something, and this is was, was there something. Uh, I, I think the Jets got some nice picks back. The Carolina didn't have to give up, you know, a, a a ton, I would say, you know, six round pick could be a hit or a miss for the Jets there. Uh, you know, if if Sam Darnold works out in Carolina, then th- this is a no brainer trade that Carolina had to had to do. Uh, and this pretty much solidifies the Jets are taking a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no question about about the latter part. Um I think it's more about what was given up, maybe what wasn't given up. You know, they didn't have to go to the first round pick, but they did go to a second, which I think is more than many people thought the Jets could get for Sam Darnold. Let's talk about the contract real quick before we move on. Um, I'm seeing a lot of misreporting on this, by the way. Uh, Sam Darnold is not going to make $920,000 this year. That is his base salary. He also has a $3.8 million roster bonus. Roster bonus due... At training camp. So the Panthers are on the hook for about $4.7 million this year. And there's already reports out there that they will exercise his $18.8 million fifth-year option for next year. So two years, $24.5 million. That's the, uh, that's the financial gamble that Carolina just gave up. Uh, 2022 second, a 2022 fourth, and a 2021 sixth round pick for. So two you know, fairly decent picks and a throw-in in this year's draft. 
I, I like it. This was clearly like plan Z for, for Carolina. You know, I, I think there were plenty of other, they wanted Stafford. They certainly wanted Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson if, at some point this off season. And uh, I'm sure they tried to get up there to two and tried to get the number two pick off the Jets. They may have tried to get number three off of Miami at some point, but here they are with Sam Darnold. And I think it's fine. Uh, you know, I know they're going to try to trade Teddy Bridgewater. They probably don't release him because of the way his contract is structured, Scott. It's probably going to be nobody wants him, so they restructure him down to the $10 million guarantee that he has left. You know, split that over the next two years, maybe Nick Foles kind of style and just make him either compete with Darnold or just become the veritable backup to Darnold this year, at least. I, it's a, it's a weird, it, have, do we have an answer to who the Panthers are yet though? <laughs> I mean, because I'm not even sure that this roster is ready for a new quarterback, let alone a $25 million project. How do you feel about this team? <clears throat> Like you just said, who are they? I mean, we know they have McCaffrey. They added, you know, some weapons last year. Uh, as far as bringing Darnold, you know, I guess it, it, if they're going to do a quarterback competition to see which one is going to be better going into the start of the season between Teddy and Darnold, then that's fine because they're going to push each other as opposed to Teddy just, you know, thinking that he's got the job. And if Sam works out because, you know, maybe their offensive line is better or the different weapons, a change of pace, change of scenery, we know sometimes that can help. So, you know, Sam getting out of New York, getting out of the limelight and the, the disaster that the Jets have been then he's probably thanking his lucky stars and whatever quarterback is going into that fiasco in the, within the Jets organization, you know, is probably hoping, I hope it's not me, uh, because we know that the Jets have not been ready. Uh, the, the, the nice thing in looking at the picks that you said is the Jets only, or Carolina only had to give up a sixth round pick this year. They Correct. didn't have to give up anything else besides a sixth this year. So they can still draft well in this draft. They still have the eight. They still have a, it's a very important round. point, Scott. Yes. And next year, if, if it works out gangbusters and that second round pick ends up being a late second round pick, then who cares? Because that means you're that much better right now. So I think it's a win for Carolina. And as of right now, it's, you know, a, a very low risk, I think. What about the Jets? We just talked about how, I mean, you and I have talked about a lot, Scott. In fact, we had the discussion that they should not trade Sam Darnold, that they should trade the second pick for a bounty of other picks because there are so many holes to fill because they aren't ready for any quarterback and they've already got Sam Darnold fully guaranteed under contract. They might as well just try to fix themselves on the fly with, you know, via the draft, which is honestly the only way to do it when you're in this kind of in the stuck position that they are right now, albeit just hitting lightning in a bottle, which maybe they will with Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson plus a plus a C offensive line plus C plus weapons, which is kind of how I have the jets right now. You know, would Patrick Mahomes do well in this offense, Scott? I mean that would he do, would he be, would he succeed in this jets offense right now? I'm not sure the answer is yes. So yeah, I'm not sure the answer is yes either. So, uh, but here's, this is just a classic what, example of we're here. We got to take the guy, you know, and we'll, we'll hope it works out, but I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't bet for it. That, that Zach Wilson is going to come in and be the answer to the Jets because there's just not enough there. Well, and that's what I meant. You know, if they're going to take him or whoever it may be going in, you know what a fiasco that offense had been last year. Now, yeah. I get it. They're, they're bringing in some other – there's other coaching. There's other yeah. players that they brought in in free agency. The thing that behooves 
the Jets is they do have that sec that number two overall, but they also have a first round number twenty three from Seattle. Yeah. Then they still have their second round pick number thirty four, and then they have two third rounders. So they have five picks as of right now within the first three rounds, which could help them because they could go and get an offensive lineman that can help. They can go get whatever other pieces that they need and still get their quarterback. So maybe, maybe that is their plan. It's not the worst weapons in the league. You know, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole's a nice get from Jacksonville. And there's some pieces behind him to compete, but you know, Chris Herndon at tight end was, it was a complete bust last year. And a lot of people had him high. So there are there are multiple positions on that offense, offensive line included here, that have to get addressed. And they, you know, they did make some free agent signings. They're they're, they're certainly trying. I'm not going to say that they're maybe in the Bears land right now, uh, where it's a real mystery as to what the heck they are. Maybe the Raiders, same boat. I, but let me just put this out there: Connor Hughes from the Athletic does great work with the Jets, and he's been all over this move from both sides. Number one. It happened. Let's evaluate what happened. You know, what did the what did the Jets actually get? What happens now to the Jets? And then the other side, which is, what if they hadn't done this? What if they had traded number two instead of Sam Darnold? Just what would that have looked like? And he kind of put some scenarios out, and it's on the Athletic right now. the the the, the potential best offer would be to trade the with the Panthers again, according to him, and I would agree with that. So they would go from eight to two. And the the projected trade would be number eight, number 39, a 2022 first, a 2023 first, and the Panthers would get number two and number 66 this year. So a, a first, the number two pick plus a third for essentially four thirds. Well, three, three thirds, three firsts and a swap, excuse me, three firsts and a swap. So... <laughs> Knowing what we know, seeing what we see, did they make the right move? Because mm. you're right. There's a lot of capital this year that the Jets have to use. Mm -hmm. It's not all at the top of the draft, but it's there. What What if the Jets are still potentially going to trade that number two? I mean, there's no way. No way. <laughs> you don't think a, a team like Denver, if they really thought that they wanted a, a quarterback, they would give up the capital to get up to number two? No, let me tell you why, Scott. Because some this kind of offer was on the table. Had to be. Sam Darnold's the backup plan for Carolina. You know what I mean? Like They, they absolutely tried to get to two. That was their first try. So the Jets most likely already turned down this trade from Carolina in order to make the Sam Darnold trade. So to me, there's absolutely no chance they're leaving at this point because that was probably their best look. Um, but, but from what I heard, and maybe I heard it wrong, was Carolina had been calling for weeks with, you know, offering what they did, but they had to keep upping them, their offer to get Darnold unless you're reading, I'm reading that wrong. And maybe that was the offer for going up to number two and not Darnold. And then they, they switched it up. I'm just under the assumption that they tried to get to two. Why? Of course you would. Everybody would want number two over, over Sam Darnold. Wouldn't they? Is that, is that misguided? Mm, I, well, if you're the Carolina Panthers and you get Darnold, so you bring on that contract that they've already paid the signing bonus to correct. And they get a guy who has had, NFL experience and knows how quick the game is. And like I said, he may just need a change of scenery, change of coaching. He goes to a little bit warmer weather than New York. Um, so maybe that will help in the beginning I, of the I season. Like, I like the outlook. I really do, Scott. And, and look, it could have been as easy as this. Maybe Carolina just absolutely was not giving away first round picks, you know? And, mm -hmm. and that is, that's the difference between getting Sam Darnold and getting the number two pick. That's what it is. So, if Carolina thinks that the first round picks over the next three years are that vital to their development and their immediate, you know, get back to contention status, then I, I applaud them for this move because this now, if you look at it in just guaranteed terms, it's 30 million. It's a $34 million investment for Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. 
That's what it is. 24 for Darnold, 10 for Bridgewater in some capacity. So you've got those two guys who, who essentially can compete this year. And then you can figure it out for next year kind of going forward. But I, I applaud Carolina. They, you and I have been saying it pretty much every show that they are, they are signifying, they're signaling to the rest of the league that they're open for business in some degree. And that, you know, it's really not just the quarterback. They've been active in every single facet. I don't think they're done either. So the fact that they still have number eight is enticing because there's probably going to be, you know, uh, probably offensive line, an edge rusher, some, some kind of major impact player for this roster. And this is going to be their quarterback carousel now. And, and they're going to live with it for one year, maybe two years. And they can live with it for two years if they have to financially. I applaud them. I, I think it's a good secondary move. And did they give up a little bit too much going to that second round pick? Probably. That's probably going to be regrettable next year when it all comes down to it. You, you know, because I mean, the stats on Darnold are just unbelievably bad. <laughs> I mean, 39th out of 39th in passer rating over the past three years. Uh, the lowest passer rating last year at 72, which is ugh. He's he's under 60% completion percentage for his career. It's just all bad. He's I mean, he's outside of top of starting quarterback metrics in all the major, you know, uh, statistics. So, yes, it's been coaching. Yes, it's been personnel around him and a change of scenery could help. We just don't see it happen that often, Scott. When this trade exact this this almost exact trade happened with Josh Rosen out of Arizona to Miami and Miami couldn't even get him on the field. You know, it just, yep. the change of scenery wasn't enough. It just wasn't the right fit for the NFL or their system or whatever it was. And, and Rosen's just kind of latching on to backup roles right now. That could very well be where Sam Darnold is in two years from now, maybe even next year, if they just want to cut bait and pay the, you know, Brock, Os Brock Osweiler him out of there next year with a, with a pick. But um, we'll see. It's an interesting move. It's leading up to the draft. So it kind of, uh, to me, Number one, number two, number three are all kind of in line now. And I, I think they're set in stone. They're probably mm -hmm. not getting moved. So Atlanta at number four is open for business. That's probably where we focus our attention now. Well, and I, and I agree with the fact that Carolina, they've pushed back that they don't need to get a quarterback this year. They can they can get, like you said, uh, a, a premier player at number eight. Yeah. Whatever else is in this draft, they still have their number one draft for next year. And if Darnold works out or Teddy still works out over the next two years, they can go into that third year from now. And if they have to draft a quarterback, they've already got all these assets around them. And hopefully they've got the right players and the right offensive line, you know, skill players to help them succeed moving forward. But I, I give them kudos for making the trade now, getting it done and still retaining the draft assets that they were able to retain. Yeah, I agree. And look, everybody's talking about having to extend Darnold and, and pay him, you know, what if he's great for six weeks, that's all we're going to hear. Oh, he's going to be 100, 120 million guaranteed now. Not so fast. Cause guess what else lines up nicely with Darnold? Let's say he's adequate this year. He, he, he takes a step forward next year. He's definitely going to be their franchise quarterback after next year. That now it's 2023. And what do we know about 2023 <laughs> cap boom, TV money, yep. everything's right. about to hit in 2023. Guess what you can slap on Sam Darnold pretty easily? A franchise tag. And if you, if you want to you want to take him the Kirk Cousins route and maybe double tag him because the cap is going to explode, you're going to have t essentially a lot of space to work with and you're going to be able to handle 30 30 million dollar franchise tags for quarterbacks. So there's a lot of reasons to like this as long as Sam Darnold can play football. And and Matt Rule's system and Joe Brady's system kind of all work out together, but uh, I, I give it a thumbs up. I really do. I think it's the right move for a team that was clearly pushing and pressing to make some sort of splash and some sort of change of pace this off season. They've done it. They've done enough to at least get themselves through twenty twenty one, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, all right man. Let's all go, right. Colin Morikawa. Happy Masters Week. Good to talk to you. <laughs> all right, have a good one. All right, my thanks to The Athletic. Check out Connor Hughes' piece at theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription today. Visit dynastyowner.com. Cash prizes or free with your friends. It is real NFL contract, dynasty fantasy football. It's time. The season is here. All the dynasty nerds are in full effect. Dynastyowner.com. Get you started today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>